Welcome to Plugged Into Christ. This is your announcer, Zayvon Grady. Today we explore our new podcast series titled Romans Explanation of God's Righteousness with pastor and teacher William Polis. In part two, Pastor Polis will begin in Romans chapter one and continue through the end of chapter three. We pray that you will glean wisdom and knowledge from this brand new podcast series. Now here's Pastor William Polis' part two of Romans, explanation of God's righteousness. Greetings, everyone. We are excited that you have decided to join us for this Plugged into Christ podcast series. And Plugged into Christ, the Bible and a subsequent study of it is is a, is paramount for us. It's it's what we do. We love going into the Bible and really uh, exploring what the Bible has to say. I do use commentary such as Matthew Henry or Spurgeon uh, from from time to time. And as an ancient history and ancient archaeology scholar for over 52 years, I feel that using both the Bible and the vast, my vast knowledge of both ancient history and ancient archaeology, it's my duty to share all this information with you. I believe that using all three in concert with each other really helps people grasp the Bible and those who wrote it, as well as the events as in, and as the uh, ancient cultures that uh, people interacted with in the Holy Land, but all right, let's get started with today with our podcast, part two of Romans, the explanation of God's righteousness. As we open up, we're going to open up here in Romans chapter one with the salutation and greetings of Paul. Romans chapter one, verses one through seven. Here is Paul's salutation beginning in this verse, one through verse seven, and, and though he explains several things as he does this. As he does a salutation here and greeting, he's telling us that he is a bond servant or slave of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, which means to send, set apart for the gospel or the good news of God. He speaks of Jesus whom he serves as born of the seed of David according to the flesh, declared to be the Son of God with power and according to the spirit of holiness, and that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord, now, Paul didn't see this happen, but by the wholeness of his faith, he believes in it. He believes that Christ is risen, and it is Jesus Christ who appeared to him in Acts, chapters 9, verses 1 through 6, that would be on the road to Damascus. And he also believes that he was commanded to preach the gospel. He also believes that through Jesus Christ, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Paul correlates that all who are in Christ, Jesus, should do also. In verse 7, Paul tells us to whom he speaks about. He's speaking to these in Rome who are beloved of God and called saints. Paul then greets the audience to whom he is speaking with, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul sees himself as standing in the tradition of prophets as one who was called by God and speaking God's words to humankind. He tells us of his call in Galatians 1, verses 15 and 16, and he does so in terms of Jeremiah's call, in the same context as Jeremiah, which we find in Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 5. Remember, Paul is speaking to those Christians in Rome and the church there, which he had not set up, so he needs to persuade them of his authority and what he has to say to them, those even in Rome who are called to Jesus Christ, these are called saints who are beloved of God. Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. Now we have Paul's message of thanksgiving. 
which, can, which follows the salutation. Most of Paul's letter begins with thanksgiving. The only exception is Galatians, where we can see that Paul is not grateful to the Galatians at all. Rather, he is just angry at them. A very practical theme is evident in the thank, his thanksgiving section of Romans, is that once again, as in earlier chapters of Acts, Paul wants to visit Rome. That viewpoint of Paul's never changes. In verse 9, listen to Paul's testimony and his mentioning in prayers. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Romans 1 verse 9. He tells them in an early letter, For I am longing to see you, so that I may share with you some of the spiritual gift to strengthen you. Romans 1 verse 11. Paul is also, he expresses his thanks for faith, faith or faithlessness of the Romans. The Greek word pistis can mean either one, faith or faithlessness. He counts himself as a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both wise and unwise. As we come to the end of verse 15, this marks the end of the Thanksgiving message of Paul and the beginning of verse 16, Paul gets to the main business of this letter of Romans. Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul's message to the Roman Christians, just live by faith. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. In fact, he continues with, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Because the gospel brings salvation, it has power. Remember that in Romans 1.4, we learn that Jesus was declared the Son of God with power. Paul talks about the righteousness of God, which is a central theme for Paul, and here it is meant by this. First, the righteousness of God is the righteousness of God's own self. God is righteousness. God does right. God is upright. And God has perfect integrity. What God promises, God does. Second, the righteousness of God is the justice of God in dealing with humankind. God condemns sin. God acts against all oppression and inhumanity. God works in and wills to bring all persons to, into a loving relationship with God and with one another, and to bring all his creation into a joined, united community. The righteousness of God is a gift of God, gives for, uh, and he gives it to faithful people. Paul says that God makes righteousness those who have faith. That is, God gives his own righteousness to those who trust in the just, righteous, and loving God. When we have the right relationship with God, when we accept God's righteousness, then we do that. We do have the right relationship with him. Romans 1, verses 18 through 32. And this section begins in Romans 1.18 and continues through Romans 4.25. For the purposes of doing this section of study concerning this podcast, as we are covering uh, about three chapters at a time, we will start here and go to the end of Romans chapter 3, verse 31. Here is Paul's warning concerning to those who practice unrighteousness and God's answer to that unrighteousness in the form of wrath. Now he says this, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness from the, of those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. While Paul states in verse 19 and 20 is that what is of God is manifest in man already, for God has already shown it to them. And since the time of creation, there are visible attributes clearly seen throughout creation, 
that man understands these things were made by God, and man understands his eternal power in Godhead, and so they are without excuse. In verses 21 and 22, man knows God, but does not glorify God, were not thankful, futile in their thoughts, and had foolish, darkened hearts. In verse 22, Paul calls them that they, they, he says that they profess to be wise, but become fools. In verse 23, man changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made of a corruptible man, like birds and four-footed animals. Now Paul goes deeper in verse 24, and through the end of this chapter of Romans in verse 32. Man is sinful, lost from the time of Adam, unclean, lost of their heart, men who trade the truth of God to serve the creature rather than the creator, men who leave the natural use of a woman to become lustful for other men, and thus receiving the penalty of their error, which is due. God gives these men, in verse 24 and 25, over to a debased mind to do the things that were not fitting. In Romans 1.26, Paul outlines more of these types of behaviors of a sinful man which he engages in. Unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, and whispers. He also lists these things, Paul does, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, and unmerciful, they know God's judgment and are deserving of death, that also approve of these things who practice them. In other words, that they know in their hearts that they are that they are fit for, for judgment and death, but yet they continue to do these things. Romans chapter 2. God's righteous judgment. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. At the end of Romans chapter 1, verse 32 Paul speaks about righteous judgment of God. Paul in these verses from Romans 2, 1 through 16 is making the argument that of what sin will, will do and what the adherence to the truth and following the truth will do. He's making that distinction. In Romans chapter 2, verse 1, Paul is speaking about judging someone else when you practice the same things. And how he's asking how will you be able to escape God's judgment? Romans 2, verse 3. Paul asks if they despise his richness of goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, and that God's goodness leads you to repentance, Romans 2.4. In verse 5, Paul is warning those with hardness of an impenitent heart that you are treasuring up for yourself the wrath in the day of God's revelation and righteous judgment. God will render to each according to his deeds, Romans 2 verse 6. Paul says that God will give eternal life to those who will by patient continence of doing good in every seeking glory, honor, and immortality, and looking to God. Verse 7. In verses 8 and 9, Paul returns to the warning of those who do not obey God. Those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey in righteousness, will get the indignation and wrath, and it will result in the tribulation and anguish for every soul of man who does evil. Of first the Jew... And, to, and then to the Greek. In verse 10, Paul says that glory, honor, peace to everyone in what is good, first to the Jew, and then to the Greek. And in verse 11, is very important because Paul tells us that God shows no partiality to any man. In verse 12, Paul states that those without the law shall perish without the law, 
and those who have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. In verse 13, doers of the law will be justified. Now Paul addresses the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature, but do the things under the law are a law unto themselves. Verse 14, Paul continues in verse 15, that the law written in their hearts and their consciousness will also bear witness. Their thoughts will either excuse them or convict them. Now note verse 16, that in the day when God will judge the secrets of all men by Jesus Christ, according to what Paul has written in Romans chapter 2. And the link back there is, now Jesus spoke about this in the Gospels, that whatever, whatever we reap, we shall sow. And it's also spoken about in the Old Testament. So here is Paul giving us not only what is truth from the, the Old Testament, but also the truth that Jesus Christ speaks about judging the secrets of all men according to what it what was written what has been written. Jews as guilty as the Gentiles, Romans two, verses seventeen through twenty four. Now Paul addresses the Jews even in these seven verses. In verse seventeen he states that they are indeed called a Jew, rest in God, and you make your boast in God as a Jew. The Jew knows the God the will of God and will prove the things that are excellent and be instructed out of the law. Verse eighteen. The Jews are a guide to the to the blind of the truth and people who live in darkness. Verse 19. In verse 20, Paul says that the Jews are instructors of the foolish, the teachers of babes, having a form of knowledge and truth in the law. Paul asks the Jew, Do you teach others and you do not teach yourself? Do you preach what that man should not steal, but do you steal? Romans 2 verse 21. In verse 22, Paul says to the Jew that they teach, Do not commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? Do you abhor idols, but do you rob, rob temples? In other words, he's asking them, do you teach yourself? You teach others, but do you teach yourself? You teach others not to commit adultery, but, but you commit adultery. Do you, you abhor idols, but yet you go in and rob temples. See, Paul is telling the Jews that they make a boast in the law, but, he, but asks if they dishonor the law by breaking it. Verse 23. Now Paul warns them in verse 24 that the name of God is, is blasphemed among Gentiles because of you. That's the reason why the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God is because of how you act as a Jew. Question concerning uh, circumcision, uncircumcised, and the law. Romans 2 verse 25-29. Here Paul makes clear that circumcision is profitable. But if you, are the break of, if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. Verse 25. In verse 26, Paul says that if an uncircumcised keeps the righteous requirements of the law, shall he's asking, shall it not be considered circumcision? In verse 27, Paul states that if a man is uncircumcised and fulfills the law, he will judge those who are under the written law and circumcised but are transgressors of the law. For the uncircumcised man who fulfills the law but is not a Jew, nor does he show the circumcision outwardly, from his flesh is justified also. For the Jew is one inwardly, and the circumcision is uh, represented outwardly on the flesh, but that the heart and the spirit and not the letter, but those whose praise is not from men, but from God alone. So whether you're circumcised or not, how you give praise to God, not men, is a a big factor in your your faith, in what determines your faith. Romans chapter 3, God's judgment defended. Romans 3, 1 through 8. Paul asks in verse 1, What advantage does a Jew have? And what profit of his being circumcised? 
In verse 2, Paul continues with the question from verse 1. Yes, in every way, because a Jew who is circumcised follows the oracles of God. In verse 3, Paul asks if they do not believe, will God's faithfulness be without effect? Then Paul continues that dialogue in verse 4 in saying decisively, certainly not. Paul continues with these words of truth, that God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words, and not and may overcome when you are judged. In verse 5, does the righteousness of man demonstrate the righteousness of God? Is God unjust when he strikes with wrath? Paul answers that in verse 6, with certainly not. And how will he judge the world? Paul answers that in verse 7, that the truth of God has increased through the, my lie to his glory. Paul continues in verse 7 to ask the question, why am I still judged as a sinner? See, Paul is making that distinction here about sinning and judgment. And he asks that question, why am I still judged as a sinner? Well, he answers that in Paul in verse 8 by saying, are we to do evil that good may come? Paul continues to state that as they are sinlessly reported, and as some may affirm what we say, here Paul is taking aim at those who claim what he and other apostles are teaching is slanderous and reporting it to the authorities and acting as if they're good and the apostles are not or that they are wrong. But Paul says that their condemnation is just. Neither Jew nor Gentiles are just. Rather, all are under sin. All of us. One is not better than the other in either case. Whether sin, there's a need for redemption. Verse 9. All have sinned. Romans 3, verses 9 through 20. In verse 10, take heed to Paul's quoting of Psalms 14.1. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Paul is furthermore addressing Jewish Christians and uses the Old Testament to explain what is being said there. The scripture to which the Jews relate in their understanding of themselves itself tells them that there is no one who is righteous under the law. Paul is not saying anything that the scripture has not already said. He does bring points about the law forward and to which he provides knowledge of sin here and will lead him to that argument at length later on in Romans chapter 7. From verses 10 through 18, Paul lays out how and why man is sinful, lost, and in need of salvation. Note here, verses 11 and 12, no one understands. Dullness. He speaks about that also, in, it's also spoken about in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11. There is not one who seeks after God, godlessness. They have all gone their way, wanderers. They have together become unprofitable, estrangement. There is none that doeth good, sin and unprofitableness. No, not one. Depravity. In verses 13 and 14, their throat is an open tomb, evil speech. James 3, 6. With their tongues they have used deceit, malice. Psalms 143. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, evil activity, 1 Peter 5, 8. There's cursing, James 3, 9. Bitterness, Ephesians 4, 31. In verses 15 and 16, Paul continues, And their feet are swift to shed blood, evil activity, 1 Peter 5, 8. Destruction and misery are in their ways, murder, sin, and misery, James 5, 1. Verse 17 and 18, Paul says, and the way of peace they have not known. No peace. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Impiety. Paul explains and justifies the previous ver 
verses biblically in chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, saying that whatever the law says, it says unto those under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the, ent- the entire be made guilty before God. By the deeds of the law, no flesh is justified in God's sight, because by the law is knowledge is the knowledge of sin. God's righteousness through faith through all for all who believe. Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. Notice in verse 21 what Paul says about the law and righteousness of God. The law is one thing, but the righteousness of God has been disclosed. Not only the prophets, but also the law itself. In verse 22, Paul says, Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, for there is no difference. Paul is stating that through faith in Jesus, we can and will become righteous before Jehovah God. Everyone who is saved or becomes saved knows this verse right here, Romans 3.23. Even children learn this verse in early Sunday school from a very young age. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is Paul telling us that no one, there's no one here that is not guilty. No matter great or small, young or old, all races, all nations are all under sin and subsequent condemnation because of the original sin of Adam and Eve. But here is the good news, which comes right on the heels of verse 23. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 24. We are justified by two things when we are redeemed through Jesus Christ and through his grace. These are the gifts offered by the Lord and nothing that we can ever do could ever earn heaven. Paul continues at the good news in verse 25. For whom God has sent forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Here is Paul saying that the propitiation that Paul is speaking about is that Jesus was the sacrificial atonement set forth by God and his shedding of his blood through Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, that became the propitiation, the forbearance. Jesus became the way that we can have our sins forgiven. Jesus showed that his righteousness because of his divine forbearance against sins previously committed in the past are done. He's even taken away death. Salvation in Christ is a gift that no man has ever deserved, but no one should ever deny. In verse 26, Paul says that Jesus proved in the present time that he himself was righteous and that he alone justifies the one who has faith in him. Boasting excluded. Romans 3:27 through 31. Here in verses 27 through 31, Paul cuts the bone of the issue and that no man can boast, not of works nor under the law, only the law of faith in Christ Jesus. When man is justified by faith, he is set apart from deeds of the law. There is only one God, and he is the God of the Jews and the Gentiles. And Paul points out in verse 29 that he will judge both the circumcised and uncircumcised through faith. Verse 30. Paul asks in verse 31, in this final verse here, if faith in Christ Jesus makes the law void. No, it actually establishes the law. Faith makes the law. Summary of Romans chapters 1 through 3. Here we conclude with the great summary from this commentary, Romans by David L. Bartlett, with these key words. First is, the key word is sacrifice. Jesus gave his life for us, and that he was the creator, God's gift to us, and not Jesus' gift alone. Two, atonement. 
that Jesus' death on the cross also brought us to the right relationship with God, it is, and it welcomes us home from a far country. It is God's arms open to all of us from the cross. Christ's blood, not the blood of the sacrificial lambs in the temple, but Christ's blood is what brings us closer to God. In his giving of his life, we see God's love for us. God acts love. God performs love. Effective through faith. Without our faith, Jesus would seem to us as just one more good person who had been martyred. We can admire him, but we do not honor him as God's grace and gift. Through faith, we know that a right relationship with God is open to us all through him. Well, that is all we have for today's podcast. I hope that you will join us next time as we continue covering Romans. Next one will be chapters 4 through 6 in this podcast series titled Romans, the Explanation of God's Righteousness. Our earnest prayer here at uh, Plugged into Christ is that all of our podcasts have helped you in understanding the Bible better, strengthen your faith, and encourage you to spend time reading and studying the Word. I want to encourage you here at Plugged into Christ to spend time in the Word, spend time praying, and most of all, spend time in your local church services each and every Sunday. Just a reminder, Plugged into Christ podcasts are published through Buzzsprout. You can download Buzzsprout on your phone, either with Android or an Apple iPhone. You can also download Spotify, Pandora, or iTunes, as well as one of the eight or ten other available podcast sites that we are on and subscribe to. You can also set up a, a free account at Buzzsprout and listen to the podcasts there. And if you ever want to speak to me by email, we'd be happy to, to get your input, your feedback, and your questions. Email me at poliswt at yahoo.com. If you live in the Lorraine County area, we would love to have you come and join us at Lorraineful Gospel Church. We are located at 1900 West 19th Street, in Lorraine, Ohio. Our normal church service is at Sunday, 2 p.m. Until our next podcast, may the Lord richly bless and keep you. This has been a presentation of Plugged into Christ with your host, pastor, and teacher, William Polis. You won't want to miss our next podcast where we cover Romans, Explanation of God's Righteousness, chapters 4 through 6. This podcast is a production of Plugged into Christ and is sponsored through Lorraine Full Gospel Church. This is your announcer, Zayvon Grady, wishing you a blessed day.